What's going on? What do I do, guys? I can't hear anything. What do I do? Drew, could you hear something in yours? No, right? Are you on best of? Are you on best of? We have dead air? We gotta put a best of on Drew. We're gonna lose every station we have. This thing sucks! Who is your daddy? And what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Yes, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find 24-7 Network or go to michaeldeacon.com. My guest this evening is Dean Alioto. He is a writer and director predating both The Last Broadcast and The Blair Witch Project. Dean's found footage movie, Alien Abduction, Incident in Lake County. Alioto's TV special has generated conspiracies worldwide and has been studied by top experts in the field of UFOs and alien abductions. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. feels good to be back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight will be a bit of a rattlesnake, I promise. Oh, yes, I promise. Speaking of which, it's always an honor and absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America. Guten Morgen, that's for the German listeners out there. There's so many. It's so many listeners out there from Germany. It's quite fantastic. Now, I know there's plenty of things to go over here tonight. However, I believe my guest is waiting. Hey, I'm doing well. How you doing? I, I lost your number for a second there. Oh, I got I got worried. Uh... We'll blame that on the uh, on the Men in Black. I know. I was looking up your number, and then I came across Harvey Weinstein's number, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the wrong one. We always get mixed up. It happens. I yeah, I <laughs> would imagine. So how are you, Dean? You doing all right out there? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? You know, I can't really complain. Everything is going uh, fine and dandy on this end, even though it's hot as hell out here in uh, deep, deep Southern California. Yeah, we've had a really weird um, uh, kind of a early teaser to the upcoming summer here. Uh, it went from being cold to all of a sudden, hey, we're LA, remember? We're going to hit you with some heat now. It's terrible. It truly is. Truly is. So, Dean, before we begin, let, let's go through your background here. You have been involved in uh, plenty of interesting work here. Your films on uh, UFOs have been pretty good. I, I believe I've seen one of them. Many, many moons ago. Yes. Um, well, I I kind of got into the um, UFO ET field um, as a filmmaker. I mean, as a child before I did um, before I did any film projects. Um, I remember being avid fans of In Search of and and shows like that, um, Unsolved Mysteries, and um, 
And uh, and I remember going to bookstores and libraries and just getting my hands on everything from um, UFO books to Bigfoot and Bermuda Triangle. And so I always kind of had an interest in uh, esoteric uh, content. And then um, when it was time to kind of do my, my first film and, and yeah, I was equally influenced Scorsese and Spielberg, a lot of my idols, and Francis uh, Ford Coppola. Um, I needed to make my first film right at film school because all my idols uh, had and uh, had done their, their first feature before they were 25. And so that desperate need to, to match that and, and to somehow put myself on a trajectory that, that would uh, uh, be equal to what they did. Yeah. Hey, I was young. Delusions of grandeur. That makes and, sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, so what, what you know, film am I going to make? More importantly, what's my budget going to be? And uh, and turned out the only money that I could pull together was a friend of mine who had 6500 bucks um, that he was willing to throw down. And I thought, well, I, that's not going to work. I can't, I can, you know, I can do a home video. That's as much as I can do. And then the next day um, I had, um, or, or later on that month, I had gotten a hold of um, Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. And that just like knocked me on my ass, and it was just kind of. By the way, can I swear? Can I say you, that? You could say that. That's cool. This? No, go ahead. PG thirteen here. No, okay. you, you could right. you could turn it up if you want. It's always better that way. Oh shit! Okay, great. There you go. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so um, I had read the book, and and that was I thought, okay, how this is like insane, and and this is a whole new uh, take on with you know kind of at the time the only thing that we'd ever gotten really was kind of UFOs. Alien Contact was either Close Encounters or it was relegated to a film called um, The UFO Incident, a.k.a. Um, Interrupted Journey, which was the Barney and Betty Hill, 1975, I want to say, uh, documentary. Or not documentary, but the TV movie with James Earl Jones and uh, Estelle Parsons. And so, anyway, this was a complete, you know, um, game changer for anyone who was, was even remotely interested in the genre. And so I thought... God, I would love to somehow convey this terror, this this um, being taken um, by an unseen force, and do it in a way that would put the you know viewer right in the thick of it. And so I thought, well, I had made the joke about doing some, you know, only having the budget of a home video. So then I came back to the investor and I said, hey, what if what if I do something that is a home video, but um, something really interesting happens? And uh, and what if that thing is? Uh, a UFO alien encounter and a family that gets abducted by aliens and have it happen all in one night, all in one take. And so um, that was the beginning of it. And from there, he, he signed off on it and said, yeah, let's do it. And so I wrote up a um, 10 or 20 page outline that had a breakdown of every single scene. It was all to be improvised. So the dialogue would seem fresh. You'd be in the moment and if something happened, little accident, something got knocked over, whatever, we could react to that. We had certain structural beats that we had to hit, and so um, I played the um, the youngest family members uh, uh, of the family who had this video camera. And um, the the reason why I break the camera out is it's a new camera. It takes place in 1983, so that was when the first home video Betamax camera came out. I love the dialogue. This- I love the dialogue. By the yeah. way, it's hilarious. I was I was dying the first time. <laughs> And, you know, I, I went back because I, I saw someone had uploaded the movie, um, being honest with you here. I'm forgetting what website it yep. was, but it was years ago I, I saw this. And then last night I went back to, to rewatch it. And, of course, there was another website that had the film. 
and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm drinking a few beers. And I'm being honest again. And <laughs> no, that's good. I'm, 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 howl- in a second. I'm howling. I couldn't stop. It was good. <laughs> um, well, you have to let me know the site because I shut those down. That's my favorite hobby. I'll send you uh, a link. That's cool. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, and so what happened was, uh, from there, uh, I'm glad that you did the dialogue because it was really the actors bringing it. Um, uh, yes. The, the person who played the mother, um, she, uh, Shelly, uh, Sheila Shelly McCullough, mm-hmm. um, she had had her own UFO experience. And when she came into the audition, she got us, you know, when you're doing an audition, the thing that you want to have happen as an actor, you want to have happen is the other side of the table who's interviewing you, audition you to be leaning forward. And we were practically over the table with the story that she was telling us about how um, she, she saw this ship out in Oklahoma on the prairie, this ship come out, and uh, this light came down, and it moved and everything, and hovered there for a while, silent as anything, and then it took off when these jets showed up. And by the time the jets got, I mean, you could start to hear the jets, but by the time they got there, this thing, she said, like, in the blink of an eye, was gone. And so... Um, not that it necessarily you necessarily had to have that um, experience to be a part of this film, but um, she had the spirit of you know let's do it. So anyway, it was just kind of throwing this together, and we spent about a uh, a week doing three interviews, or excuse me, um, doing three uh, rehearsals where we went around our neighborhood. This is in San Francisco, um, so we're in Pacific Heights, and we're running around the block acting like we're reacting to aliens and stuff. I'm sure our neighbors thought we were batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> we probably were. And um, and then we found this location um, uh, out in the woods, and um, we uh, we went out there and, and took over this uh, this um, small home. And, uh, and so the conceit was he breaks out this camera and starts filming, and it's his um, – his older brother's um, daughter's, you know, his niece's five-year birthday party. So perfectly legit reason to break out a camera. And so it starts out being this, you know, home video, and his brothers are giving him shit um, about it because, um, you know, he's he's sticking the camera everywhere. Right. And um, and then they turn out the lights to, you know, bring in the cake. It's at nighttime, obviously. Turn out the lights, bring the camera, or bring the, can- the cake in. They blow out the candles. They go to turn the light back on and they won't go on. And um, and they also see something that flashes um, by. They go out to investigate and come across this ship and aliens. And so from there, it becomes, you know, this one by one kind of 10 little Indians with them getting taken. And um, the the ship and the aliens were all done to exact speculations, uh, specs that we had heard from Whitley and other people. Um, but Hopkins' work... Um, was also out there that we um, researched, and so it was. And also, Dr. Um, Jacques Vallée, nice. uh, his book Dimensions was a big influence on us. So um, yeah, so it was this thing that kind of you know we, we we made it, and then it was kind of like oh well that was a fun night, and then we had to go out and sell it. Yeah, you didn't really is, you didn't really think much of it, right? At first, no, it's like no. When you're young, everything's like let's just do this, and then you do it, and you go okay, well let's just do this. And which is great because, you know, ignorance, um, in, ignorance is the engine that drives creativity. And so we, um, True. we did a road trip to, to Los Angeles from San Francisco and we met with these, uh, top distributors of home videos and everyone thought we were complete, you know, idiots that we showed up and made a home video and we're trying to sell it. And they're right. like, yeah, I get it. It's aliens, but seriously, you know, don't, don't come back here until you have an actual movie. 
they were rude. Um, some of them, you know, kind of got it, but just were like, yeah, no, thanks. So we left thinking we didn't score and that was it. So now what are we going to do? And then the next day we get a call from um, the last person that we met with who um, said, look, I want to run with this. Let's take a stab at it. And we're like, great, happy ending, terrific. And then um, we uh, get a call about uh, – actually, don't get a call. I call in to check in because I hadn't heard anything for a few months after I had delivered him my main edited master and all my artwork. And so after like three months, I said, hey, so what's you know what's happening? He goes, oh, uh, bad news. The uh, our company burned to the ground. The warehouse burned to the ground. Ooh. And um, so I'm kind of out of business. And I, you know, I'm not saying that, that he set it on fire himself for insurance reasons. But it wouldn't be the first time. It's possible. And so uh, it's possible. So anyway, um, that was it. I thought, oh, shit, first film, time to move on. Yeah. And uh, got on with my uh, career and doing other shows, totally hidden videos, stuff like that, then doing crime reenactments. And then I get a call from this guy named um, uh, Sean David Morton. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. And he's in jail that. right now. And he is. He is. Um and so he calls and he oh says, God. hey, we're trying to find, you know, the person who, you know, we've got this footage that's been found. It's the first time I ever heard that term or the first time I believe it was used. And said, do you know of anyone who, you know, who might own the rights of this? Uh, your name came up. Um, and I said, well, you know, no one found it. We made it. And he said, oh, OK, do you know what's been going on with your film? And I go, yeah, nothing. Um, ashes. That's what's been going on. <laughs> and he said, well, apparently. He says, best I can surmise is um, some advanced screeners got out to some mom-and-pop video store, and someone had edited off the credits, someone a lot more than I, which I had thought of that, um, had edited off the credits and passed it around the UFO community as the Roe McCoy. It was like a snuff and film. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And even God. though I joked that I wish I was that smart to do that, I never would have done that because it's, it's um, you know, the UFO alien phenomenon or, um, you know, um, uh, people who follow this uh, and the community as a lar at large, we, we, you know, we take enough grief already. And so no need for any more hoaxes. But anyway, what had happened was someone injected it into the UFO community where it ends up at the International UFO Congress Convention in 93. And uh, where Lieutenant Colonel Don Ware claimed he believed it to be, to be authentic. And uh, Tom Dongo, who was the lead UFO researcher, I think he was the one who brought it there. And so Sean you know, ever the one to uh, capitalize on any opportunity, well, if there was an opportunity here, reach out to me and right. said, all right, so here's so here's where we're at. We've got three companies that are interested. We've got Unsolved Mysteries. Um, we've got Hard Copy and this uh, Fox show called Encounters. They're all interested in this. And, um, you know, I'm here to kind of help broker this deal. And I, you know, when I got done laughing, I said, okay, well, I guess Unsolved Mysteries is out. And he said, well, not necessarily. And I said, well, no, it's out. I just, you know, I, I'm now outed as a person. So this now we know the mystery is solved. And so we looked at hard copy and I talked to them and they said they would give us a, a small little segment. And Fox Encounter said, we'll give you, you know, a bigger segment and we'll let you put, you know, the website where people can go, not website, but the um, um, the, uh, the phone number or whatever, the, the information, the address that you can track it, you know, they can track you down and buy copies of it. So we went ahead and, and did that, and um, and then that is when kind of the cork on this whole um, experience, this whole project, you know, shot off the bottle. I started getting, after the show aired, I started getting calls from people all over, um, from Brazil, from 
Tokyo saying that they needed to get a copy of this footage, even though we tell them, look, this isn't real. They didn't care. Yeah, they really They're like, yeah, they really bought into it. They really did. And um, and I, you know, I, I didn't know what I was walking into. And, and, and then Sean called me. Um, I think this is one of my last interactions with him. He called me and he said, the Japanese, you know, will pay you, you know, a, a small little chunk of money here to have three minutes of footage. And then um, he said, by the way, um, there's an alien abduction that's going to be happening this Saturday. Do you want to come and, and videotape it and help us prevent it? I took a pass on that. Help you prevent I, it? I did go with it. Yeah, apparently this can be prevented. You um, were gonna, you were gonna stop it, to me. Dean. I was gonna help stop it with okay. my camera because ah, okay. they, they're very camera shy. <laughs> ah, that we makes sense know. then, right? Yeah, you were, yeah. you were scared of them. So, off. um, I would have, I would have, especially with my shaky cam. Um, and so uh, they, um, yeah, so so I thought that was it, and you know, time to move on. And and then um, I'm working uh, about a year later on this. Um, Stephen J. Cannell crime series, and the head writer said, I heard about this thing that you made. I really want to see it. And I said, no, nah, it's, it's handheld. It's, you know, all improvised, you know, no-name actors. Because, because no one had done something like that, it, it, which is okay. It's, it's great if you can come up with something that's new, a new narrative, and, you know, in this, in this, uh, in this um, film, you know, format. But, um, but it's not good to be too early. And I was too early. You, yeah. Um, let, let me just cut you off there for a moment there and say please. you you were definitely ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. Just by a year, mm-hmm. I would say, because the Blair Witch came out a year later, I believe, right? Well, no. Um, the remake. So what had happened was I I um this head writer is like I really want to see this, and I'm trying to make slick you know Spielberg movies and stuff with dollies and everything. So this was not kind of what I thought was representative of of the work that I had wanted to now move into. Eventually, I showed it to him, and he said, I can get us a TV movie deal. And I said flippantly, yeah, sure, Paul. Um, I want a story by credit. I'll direct it, and you and I will produce it. And he called me up the next day and said, we have a meeting at Dick Clark Productions. So we walked in and shook the guy's hand. Uh, his name was Neil Stearns. who was the head of the TV movie department. And we put in the tape. We didn't say anything else. Put in the, the little cassette that showed the Encounters six-minute segment. He watched it, laughed, shook our hands, said, you guys have a deal. That was my first Hollywood deal, courtesy of, of the UFO phenomenon. Very nice. And we ended up making it at um, UPN as our first TV movie. The new title, the original, the working title when we went up to shoot it was called The McPherson Tape, which later on um, became uh, Alien Abduction Instant Lake County. Correct. So mm-hmm. those, my original one called UFO Abduction and that one kind of um, um, get confused sometimes, but they also have their own belief. And, and conspiracy around them. And so um, this time the budget was $1.25 million, which freaked me out immensely because I'm like, fuck, I'm, how am I supposed to spend, you know, um, $9,998 more than, than what I had beforehand? These things don't need to be that. But it's Dick Clark Productions and you need to upscale everything. And so it was like, all right, let's get the guys from the X-Files. We'll get them to do the ship and aliens. That'll blow through some of the money. Uh, we'll shoot it over a week and do 20 minute takes instead of, um, you know, all in one night. Um, we got all these great actors from Canada. We shot in Canada, which meant that my budget was even more than the 1.25 because the dollar was worth more. Uh, end of the day, we, we came in half a million under budget, which was the first time I think that's ever been done with a, a TV movie. And my agent framed the, uh, we got a residual check back, uh, a profit check 
And she said, this is the first time I've ever got that. She framed it. <laughs> but um, Rightfully so, though. So we made, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um, we went up and, and, yeah, and shot this thing and had a blast working with the Vancouver crew, terrific people, and um, and did this thing. And, and every night that I would, um, um, that I would, you know, drive home, I would look up at the stars waiting for my own sighting, which, you know, never happened. But um, we, uh, we just thought, you know, this is the best. This is gold. This is, you know, these are, it doesn't get better than this. And we were, we were right about that. While we were up there shooting, everyone at UPN got fired. Oh, that's just fantastic. So, yeah. So I don't know if you or your listeners know what happens when you get fired when you're, or when everyone, you know, at the, at the network or the studio or production company gets fired. It means that the new people come in and they're going to piss all over the project that they had nothing to do with. Oh, yeah. Um, because if it does really well, they look like idiots and um, like maybe they shouldn't have, have fired them. And, um, and so when they screen the film, and I have to say I don't blame them because, they again, this is, you know, still uh, two years before Blair Witch came out. The original was done 10 years before Blair Witch, but this was just two years before. And so um, they uh, apparently, from what I heard by this guy, um, John Levoff, who was the head of the TV movie department at UPN, who, who didn't get fired, he said it was the worst screening, test screening, you know, exec screening of his career, that they were actually throwing food at the screen and laughing and saying, thank God we're here to save this network. Wow. So they fire all of us. We come back, you know, we had, we had two weeks, I had two weeks to assemble a final cut with special effects and everything. Gave it to them and, um, and they um, end up, sorry, my girlfriend is getting home, so I'm going to open the door. It's all right. Go ahead. Oh, it wasn't my girlfriend. It was a box. It's, it has a ticking sound to it, so I'm just going to put it over here. Um, <laughs> um, and so, uh, so anyway, um, we get fired and they bring on this woman to edit it down from one hour to an hour and bastardize what we had done. The foreign version would retain, would, would stay. It's, it's two hours. Um, so she goes in and what she does is she, re, she replaces some of the real or the, the fake interviews that we had done with real people Enter Dr. Stanton Friedman and Yvonne Smith and other um, Daryl, I forgot what Daryl's last name, Daryl Sims, I think it is. Daryl Sims, um, right. Comes in, yeah, other professional, you know, people who, who are, you know, the illuminaries of the, of the, the field come in and, uh, and they intercut their interviews. So it looks like they're referencing my film. And so when the, the film, um, when the TV movie, or it was now a TV special, debuted in January 1998, um, it was the first time that I had seen it. And um, I ended up, the guild, because I had joined the director's guild when I made the film, they, they called me um, before it was going to air, like a couple weeks beforehand, and said, hey, how's your experience you know, on your first project? And I said, oh, it's fucked up. It's shitty. It's awful. And they go, why? And I tell them, and they said, okay, well, hold on. And they actually, I got to, um, they find them, the network, and uh, and um, and they, because this woman who came in, uh, she also wanted full credit for everything. And so we had to fight that. So it was just, it left a real bitter taste in my partner in my mouth. But um, good news is that everything was worked out. We received our full credit. And um, that's good. And so um, we thought again, well, that was, that was fun. And then um, the real fun began. We started getting emails. I got inundated uh, from letters, again, from people um, who believed that the movie was real. And now a new conspiracy emerged, which was that. Um, 
I had possibly engineered with the government that they had the government had hired me to um, create a, a another version, a remake of the real UFO abduction. So if you can track this, they were purporting that my original UFO abduction was actually real and I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. And that the remake was a way to um, uh, to disregard the credibility of that original real quote unquote version. And I got a kick out of it. I thought, oh my God, this is insane. This is, you know, this thing is just running. It's got a mind of its own. Um, you know, this was the beginning of, you know, the fake news or my experience with the fake news. And no matter how much I pleaded our case and everything, it was just, you know, uh, it was just looked upon as being, you know, engineered. That's pretty good press, else. though. Even though it was negative, it was still yeah. good, though. You <laughs> right? drew a lot of yeah. interest, yeah. Yeah. So um, that kind of continued and, and went on. And, and then occasionally I would get friends or people would, you know, say, you have to go to this website. You have this website. They're featuring your film and they're saying this and that now about it and about you. And I reached out to a couple of these websites and said, hey, guys, I hate to, you know, um, spoil your conspiracy theory, but you know, here's the real story, and I've got behind-the-scenes pictures to prove it. And um, and then I got a chance, you know, they interviewed me, and and so I set the record straight several times. And then at some point, um, it got to be too much, and and there were still people out there, um, people that were not only you know against uh, against the the um, authenticity of the film, but kind of haters on on the film and me. And so at that point, I pulled out, I withdrew. And had nothing to do with with the um, the UFO um, uh, community uh, at all because of all these conspiracy theories. And I thought I don't want to fan the flame here by saying anything because everything gets twisted around. But over the years, people had reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you want to? You know, would you be interested in doing an interview? Would you be interested in coming out to this convention or that?" And I always were like, "No, no, no. I I, I think it's better just to let that dog lie." And then the 25th anniversary came up and. Alejandro Rojas from the International UFO Congress Convention. Um, we connected, and and he was very enthused about the idea of having me come out for the, you know, because it had been 25 years ago that it aired or, or premiered there and started the whole thing. And because um, it kind of jump-started my career and got me into the Directors Guild and um, and um, was also, um, you know, uh, helped finance my move from Los Angeles, or excuse me, San Francisco to Los Angeles, I uh, you know, felt indebted, and I felt like enough time had passed that we could now have some levity about it. So I, he said, you know, you, you'll come and you'll lecture for 75 minutes, which was terrifying for me uh, to get up and talk because I've done plenty of film festivals before where I do Q&As like this where you and I are going back and forth. But he's like, no, it'll ju just be you. So yeah. I put together a presentation, and, and which was great because I got a chance to track the timeline and put in some pictures and stuff. And um and um, you can actually get a copy, I, I think, of the um, of the uh, the lecture at uh, at the website. But um, it was a great chance to kind of clear the air and to have fun with it, and you know, to to um, just say, you know, here's who I am. I'm an idiot that kind of stumbled <laughs> into this, blah blah blah. Right. And the re the reaction was was great. Um, you know, people were kind to me, and um, and then from there, um, it's kind of snowballed. It's kind of um, started to reach out, and I've had other people. I, this, is, I this might be my 10th or dozen uh, podcasts that I've done since the festival or since the convention, and I'm going to be appearing um, and speaking at AlienCon um, in Pasadena in June, 
which is a new convention. I think it's two years old, maybe. It's a good venue. And, uh, I, have, I like it there. Have you been there? Yeah, I've been there. It's fun. Good. So it's a, it's a good time? Yeah, you'll you enjoy yourself uh, out there. All right. <laughs> I know it's like fifteen to 20,000 people. It's kind of like the Comic-Con of... of ba- basically, um, yeah. It, right? And and But it also spills into... Um, uh, filmmakers and, and actors and stuff who go there, and, and so it's fiction and nonfiction. Um, primarily, it's this tip of the spear for these guys are like the ancient alien type, you know, UFOlogist, and then they have that other attached. It seems like that's what it is. So um, mm-hmm. um, that looks like it could be a real fun time, and and um, and um, so I'm, I guess I'm kind of in the circuit doing this and um, and pursuing this, and then um, um, they pulled it back in. Thing that happened. They pulled me back in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I and and for the for the um, the um, International UFO Congress Convention, I actually because I I haven't had a a movie, I haven't had a copy of my film since it burned in the fire. So the only thing that I had was the actual um, raw tapes that we used to film it with. And so I um, went back to that and um, had digitally remastered it all um, and and amped up everything as far as you know the quality. Of it because technology is now on our side and and um, created a whole new master digital new master and then um, uh, you know presented it showed it there and so um, it was really nice to kind of take something that was in my archive and be able to um, to uh, you know re-release it and, yeah. and that people can actually get at um, ufoabductionmovie.com it's now available for the first time for downloads and, and you can get a DVD signed DVD as well but um, yeah so um, it's uh, it was kind of two things came out of this that was kind of interesting. And if I'm talking too much, tell me to shut the hell up. No, it's okay. Um, Continue. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll cut you off in a moment here. All right, good. Please do. Um, and so uh, I when I started preparing for this, I became acutely aware that the 30 or so scripts that I had written and pilots and stuff over the years and and um, and and my my kind of IP of things that 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 I've had as far as um, not just the stuff that I've made, but other things that I had, that a third of it was all UFO and alien related. And I realized how much I enjoy working in that genre. And I have a, a couple new projects that happen to also be in that. And I realized I need to like full on embrace this and, and run with it. Because for me, um, anytime you look at a genre or you look at a, a field of study, um, a storyline, and you can, get into it and it excites you and you can hopefully come up with a new angle and look at it from a new way. Like we got a chance to do with the UFO abduction movies. Um, I feel like um, you might be doing what you should be doing yeah. as, a, as a filmmaker, as an artist, right? Yeah. And let, so, let, let me just stop yeah. you there. Now, once the Blair witch project came out, what did you initially think? This is bullshit. Is that what you thought they lifted it from you? Is that what you first thought? No, what I thought was, I'm an idiot. Um, I should have submitted my film to Sundance. I never would have thought. You know, I, I was too busy making apologies to this thing that was, that I, you know, that had never been done before and was this kind of strange, ugly duckling. And here are these guys that came out and went, you know, screw this. Yeah, we're doing Check it. this out. Yeah. Never, yeah. And so um, I was, um, you know, I felt real remiss that I hadn't done that and and felt like, um, that it was a, you know, it might have been a lost opportunity, but I enjoyed Blair Witch. I thought they handled some things uh, better in a way, um, though the camera was a bit too shaky. A little, you needed drama yeah. to, uh, That's my only to complaint. Watch it. 
Right. Yeah. Other, other than that, I thought it was great. I love mixing the two formats. Um, you know, anytime someone does something that's similar to someone else's, um, you know, wherever they are in the spectrum of, of um, co-opting an idea, um, it's an opportunity to add to it. And when I remade mine, I, I, you know, I added some as well, though, if I'm really honest, I don't care for the remake alien abduction as much as I do for the original, because we had to light everything and we had to, you know, script everything out. There was no improvising and it lost, you know, some of its kind of, um, the essence. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it's hard to get completely lost in a character when you're, you know, it becomes a play, which is fine. But anyway, um, I, I like the OG. Yeah, I know what myself, you mean. But, um, I definitely know what you mean. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially, um, you know, I played in bands before. I've done, you know, I've done all that sort of stuff. And I, I yeah. recall playing, you know, you're, you're jamming with your bandmates and you, you come up with something and then a day or two later, you can't remember what the hell you were playing. It yeah. happens. It you're happens. just in the zone. Yeah. And then and, you can't and, recreate and that. I, no, no, God, no. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's all, it's the chemistry of the bandmates as well and, and all the artists that you have. I mean, I've been, I play drums and I've, um, played in bands before where, I felt like I can't even keep on beat because there's a real funk that's here. People have ego. They're trying to do this and that. And, and then I've been with other bands where everyone's just, we're so lucky to be making noise together. And you can, I think you can, you can tell. So, so anyway, I just, um, you know, so I thought looking at this, I thought, wow, this is, this is an area that is definitely important to me. It's part of my history. And it's, and it's one that I know really well because I've kind of been an armchair UFO researcher for, uh, you know, a few decades, a couple decades here. And so I decided to start a company that's primarily just doing that. Um, it's called Alien Content. Uh, and you can go to aliencontent.com and that'll link you to my Patreon account. And so what I'm doing is I've um, formed this company that has three projects that we're doing. And I've just added a, a fourth, which is a documentary that I'm developing. Um, that'll be from a whole new perspective that we haven't seen in the uh, UFO alien genre, I hope. And um, I'm looking forward to working with a lot of the um, premier UFO experts that I got a chance to meet and um, and hang with um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, at the uh, International UFO Congress Convention. So um, I'm working on pulling that together uh, as we speak. And, um, and so that's been um, uh, kind of... Um, I guess the the whole change, you know, it's kind of like things are cyclical and this kind of came back. And uh, I've kind of, you know, been really appreciative and, and excited to hear, you know, what's been going on. And then, then you have the Department of Defense footage, you know, the gimbal footage that comes out. And that is a game changer, certainly. And so it feels like, you know, that and then James Fox has his 701, which I just heard that movie's now been changed to UFO, UFOs, what we know about the phenomenon, something like that. I don't want to paraphrase the titles, but it has a new title. I'm very excited to see that because he's working with some great people and um, and he's got some surprises I hear. So um, it's an exciting space to work in now. And so I'm kind of taking what I've been doing, working in different genres from action, drama, you know, comedy and everything and, and pulling it together to, um, to create content that's hopefully enlightening and inspiring and fun. I just still can't believe how anyone could be sitting down and, and then watch tr- a trailer for the Blair Witch Project and not be offended. I mean, if I were you, I'd want to strangle someone, Dean. All right. We Honestly go speaking, there, huh? we, we've You're got to go let back. Me walk I, around that one and continue. I can't just let road. you. No, no I, I got to drag you back onto that. 
Because look, I just, that style of film, it just took off in the horror movie genre over the past couple of years. That style is just immensely popular. And it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, I, every time I saw one of these films, like, um, let's, let's just say the paranormal activity, I, I always wondered who came up with this style first. And it seems like you might have. Um, I don't want to sound egotistical well, or anything not. at all. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it for me. I appreciate that. Um, I'm putting you over. <laughs> you are. You're, you're keep me up on that pillar. I appreciate it. I like the view up here. Uh, no, the reality is, I mean, there've been, um, there've been, there, there's a, a website called, I think it's called found footage critics. And these guys are great. They're terrific. And they contacted me and, and I did an interview with them and they wanted to talk to me about this and said, look, we're looking at, you know, there's something called cannibal Holocaust There's this and that. And then, um, so they could say, well, this is, so, so there was hints of this, but he said, the difference is that like in, uh, cannibal Holocaust, it was these filmmakers are coming out and they're saying, okay, so there's this footage that we got our hands on. And so they're showing clips of this footage that supposedly was this thing that happened. So it's more of this, you know, fictional thing of here's this, you know, some clips of this thing. Um, whereas mine was from the get-go, it's you're seeing footage that was found. That footage wasn't found. It was these filmmakers saying, hey, here's this footage, blah, blah. So that they had made the found footage critics, critics had made that distinction. And then there's certain rules and stuff that I had, hadn't even heard about that um, these other guys that are this podcast for had had said that we had done that was the first time, um, you know, that here's a character that's doing this. My thing was shot all in one night. That hadn't been done all in one take before. Um, there, so there were a bunch of first. I didn't even know that there were, you know, kind of almost like subcategories to the found footage. So anyway, yeah, there's been a lot pulling out of the the quagmire of this. Yeah, and so um, I guess we were, but but we didn't. Um, you know, again, we were ten years ahead of the curve, and so it's exciting to have been a part of creating a new film narrative that hasn't been created since the advent of editing. But at the same time, you know, not getting too carried away here. Um, it's it's a, a natural extension. You could say this is Spinal Tap. This isn't a found <laughs> footage, tap. but it was a, a it was a fake, you know, documentary. And so there, were, you know, definitely there's cousins of what you true. know I did that yeah. that came from there. But as far as the true term found footage, I think we're safe safe to say that that we were um, the first, if not one of the first. And so, so as these films started coming out, um, I felt like well, I had done as much as I can do in this genre. So I guess it's fine, you know, whether they saw this. Are not. Um, I know that we had generated a lot of fans. Um, I know that the guy who did Attack the Block, oh, what is his name? Um, great filmmaker um, who went on to do a whole bunch of stuff at Spielberg. Um, he was a fan of the film. And so I've gotten calls from other filmmakers before saying, hey, your film really influenced me. And, and that's been the Vicious Brothers, these, these filmmakers from Canada. Um, they did a film called Extraterrestrial that they said was greatly influenced by my films, which is a huge compliment for me. And so as they came out, I was kind of like, very cool. Glad that, you know, let's see where this goes as a, as a, you know, I could step outside as a separate from a filmmaker and look at it as an audience. However, when I saw um, Cloverfield, that one hurt if I'm to uh, be yeah. completely, yeah, that one hurt because let me see, it's about a celebration, you know, a bunch of friends getting together. Mine was a bunch of friends, family getting together. Um, it's uh, something happens. There's a blackout. Uh-huh. Check. Um, they see something that's happening outside there, check, and then 
one by one, they're getting taken and the whole thing's happening. It's, and it's this big alien, you know, monster that has landed. And, and the thing that kind of made it a little more frustrating for me was that I had actually reached out to the producers. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, about a year beforehand and had shown them this and they thought that the TV thing was, you know, hysterical and they loved it. And, and then all of a sudden I see this trailer for this. And so I was a bit kind of, uh, uh, pissed off. I would have been pissed. So, um, yeah. And so that was annoying. And then there was another film that came out that didn't even change the title, Alien Abduction. And so at that point, it was kind of like, you know, well, whatever, you can't copyright a style or, you know, story beats. And so um, I believed. And so it was just kind of like, all right, well, let's just see where this goes. And And at one point, I was supposed to do a third version to kind of complete the trilogy which I've now folded into my, my company, Alien Content. Um, but I was going to do a third version with um, Mick G, the guy who directed um, Terminator Salvation, and he also did the, the um, Charlie's Angels movies. His company, um, the head of his company, um, they wanted to, to do a third version, and Paramount Insurge, their um, paranormal activity micro-budget division, um, had agreed to do it, and we're all set to do it. and um, Unfortunately, a, a young exec uh, took almost a year to find us a line producer to do a budget. And in that time, they, um, the company decided to uh, Paramount decided to close out Insurge, the low budget division. And so uh, when that went away, the deal went away. And so um, it went from a green light to a, uh, to a red light, as you say. And so um, so that's kind of been it. But I've I've written a couple other scripts in that genre. In fact, I have kind of the secret project, the political thriller that we're trying to get cleared right now because we we did a lot of things that were really crazy. Um, make sure that that's all okay. And we've, we've just got it cleared, but now we're trying to figure out what our next step is here is going to be. But, um, you know, I still like working in the space, but seeing other people do that and run with it, um, my attitude is, you know, if I inspired you at all, there's still filmmakers out there that are being inspired by that, awesome. But add to it. What about Make the- sure you're adding something what about the movie right. The Fourth Kind? Wow, you're just going right into all the wounds. Man. Of course. Just ripping the band-aid uh, off. I have to. I know. Jeez. I feel horrible for doing this, but I'm telling you. I thought I had a It's, ri- yeah, it's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It just keeps yeah. going on and on. And especially now, I mean, yeah. with, with the popularity of uh, the TV show, like, you know, like Ancient Aliens and the ongoing mentions of UFOs in the media, it's a, it's another great time to strike while the iron is hot. It is. It is. Um, again, um, there were parts of that, you know, movie that I appreciated. Um, and, and, and my feeling is, you know, and, and at the time, because we were trying to get this deal going at Paramount, I'm rooting for all these films as well, because they're, you know, we're all part of a brethren where we're, we need to root for each other as filmmakers and, and, uh, you know, and inspire each other. So, um, whether directly or indirectly. And so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, some succeed to a lesser degree or to, to more than others. Um, I think there's definitely more to be had there. Um, Jason Blum himself, who is a producer of all the paranormal films, now its day has run its course. And I, and I felt that way until um, I started getting um, calls over the past year from found footage film festivals that have been cropping up. There's one in San Francisco um, now, and I think there's one in, in Lake Erie. Um, they're all popping up. I mean, this is something that, that is not going away. Um, there's tons of them. There's a company right now, this guy who's interested, uh, 
in my project and, and doing a distribution deal, who's got his own um, uh, distribution arm. There's apparently something like 700 top titles of found footage movies, and he's acquired 250 of them. And so he's setting up an actual channel like, um, what is it called, Voodoo or Video On Demand. And oh, so okay. um, this is, I think it's underestimated and underserved, just like the UFO um, fans. I mean, there's the, the two top searches that are done online every day is, um, is, um, is porn. And then number two is uh, UFOs and aliens. 144 million, I believe, a day. There are searches for um, UFOs and aliens. That sounds pretty accurate. So that kind of tells you, yeah, that this is a huge, huge demographic. And and what needs to be, what needs to happen is is that that demo needs to get lassoed into a, a area where they can be focused and know, oh, I go here for for my content. You know, that's why Ancient Aliens is their number one show in History Channel, I believe, and and why they're in their fourth or fifth season. Um, it's an insatiable appetite because especially now things are so jacked up with where we are with, you know, the administration, everything that, uh, and the world, uh, that you need sometimes to step off the planet and be able to get some perspective. And I think looking at possible beings visiting our planet, that's a, that's a great way to, uh, you know, to do that and look outside of our petty bullshit, um, which is, you know, uh, which is out there and, you know, being manipulated daily by, um, you know, news organizations, especially those um, fear-mongering bastards uh, <laughs> who are out there who, you know. Um, you mean Fox News? Who just love inciting. Yeah, InfoWars and all these guys who um, just, you know, it's kind of who can be louder and who can be the most negative. And then that, you know, it's like a fire, you know. Um, it's like a smoke signal out there. And right now we need to be unified more than ever. And the thing that's really upsetting as I climb up on my soapbox here is the fact that, um, you know, we have people who um, who are actually bickering about global warming. And so at this moment, you know, I have a, a child. I've got a daughter. And I'm concerned about her life. I'm concerned about her kid's life. And that happens. And, and this is paramount. There's nothing else that trumps this. Everything else, um, no pun intended, everything else is, 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 is huge, huge bullshit. And so um, – you know, but we can't even agree on whether the Earth, with some people, the Earth is round or not. I, now we got to step back and go back to flat Earth. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, there, there's what? a lot of those out there. Yeah, well, it felt like kind of when the politics, when the last big election happened, it's kind of like I've been saying this, and so have all my friends. It was like now I really believe in parallel universes and different dimensions. I feel like there's one where Hillary or Bernie, even better, became president, and we're in the one where Trump is president. And um, I'm not going to get into too many politics here, though I already set my tone it. That's all right. Um, Don't worry. I just I I'm just an advocate for anyone who is preaching hope and promise, and uh, that's because that's how things get done. Nothing gets done through anger, and um, you know. So anyway. Well, the only thing I'm really worried about is a World War Three. Seems like our. Mm-hmm. It seems like we have uh, tension with multiple countries as usual. Dude, have you seen? Do you trust this computer? The new documentary. I don't really trust most things, to be honest with you, Dean. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a new documentary that um, Elon Musk is in it, uh, Noam Chomsky, tons of people, um, experts, talking about AI and what's coming, and what's coming in particular with warfare and the weapons that are going to be used. It is horrific. It is frightening. It's called The documentary is called uh, Do You Trust This Computer? 
Um, you can find a link of it on, on it um, online. I think it's on YouTube as well. It was free for the last weekend, um, but it's it's made by top um, documentary award-winning filmmakers, and it um, tackles this and it lays out for us what's coming. And it is, you know, um, I haven't watched it. I'm but going, I haven't watched the documentary, dude, but I could only imagine. I mean, MIT already has a device where you could wear and it, it hears uh, the words you say in your head. Yeah. Look that yeah, up. Yeah, privacy, gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. It's gone. I mean, um, this fact, is not a good step forward, in my opinion. I mean, that's a cool device. However, I, I don't think I like that since we kind of already know that technology is meant to be exploited in all truth and reality. It's, it's, a, it's a – we're in a toothpaste situation where you squeeze out the toothpaste, you can't get that shit back in. You can't undo Word. where we're going. Right. And if you know anything – do you know about Moore's Law? Sure. Yeah, so Moore's Law, for the listeners that, that don't know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of a, a, a metric in order to um, um, rate and, and to, to keep track of how technology over the years has advanced. And it's always been this slow incline. And then right after the Industrial Revolution, it shot up. And then we got into integrated circuits, it shot up. And then it kept going. And by the time it got into the 80s and 90s and into the new millennia here, it's literally gone straight up. It's flatlined straight up. We are now doing things that has not kept up with our level of humanity and evolving with a society. And so that's still a gradual going up. But we now have technology that's gone way off the meter, which is, you know, a perfect recipe, perfect cocktail for um, annihilation. Yeah, it's, you know? it's frightening, you can have to be honest. Technology that's coming and, and people can, you know, anyone, I mean, the scenarios are insane. It's like right now with nanobots. You can create something that can go fly, you know, fly out, take off, find its target, embed itself, and inject it with whatever high concentrated whatever it is, and take out anyone. What what happens then? So are we going to have you know, people, leaders hiding out in bunkers, air sealed bunkers? I mean, it's yeah, it's we haven't crazy. kept up with technology. So yeah, and right. right now the worst thing that could happen is uh, you know, in order to divert from the troubles that the administration is having, to be pivoting to like you said, World War Three. Right. And, just, right. And you have a child. Shit time. You have a child. I yeah. don't. I, I can't imagine. What one would, that I know of. I yeah. Mean, one that. Right. There could be more. There could be. There, there yeah, could yeah. be more in a TJ. You never know. Hybrids. Yeah. TJ. Yeah. It makes Tijuana, sense. Hybrids in Tijuana. It could happen. It yeah. Could, it definitely. It's but a possibility. Where I'm heading, where I'm heading with this one was <laughs> uh, you have a child. I don't. I don't know what it would be like if I ever lost a child to say something like a school shooting. Um, what, what's your opinion right. on all of that? Does that ever cross your mind at any time that potentially your child might be gunned down one day? What crosses my mind every single day is the complete lack of common sense. Um, again, people are at their worst when they are fearing, when they are in fear mode, fight or flight. Um, and people who own guns, which is actually still a, a minority in this country, um, the thing, the reason why they don't say that they need to hold on to it is comical. It's hysterical. It's like, let me get this straight. You need to have your weapons because in case, you know, the government gets out of control, you need to be able to, you know, defend yourself or in case there's militias that are going out like yourselves and whatever. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, way back when, when the Bill of Rights was written, um, the, the military, the most that they had was maybe a cannon. Uh, so now even if you have a bazooka, you know, good for you. They have drones. The government has drones. They got, they got lasers, um, too. They got lasers. They yeah. have shit we don't even know about. Exactly. So just 
you don't need to have a rapid fire. All automatic weapons are are done because you know it's 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 a it's like a life size version of a fucking video game. Pretty so much. For me, it's pretty I don't, much. I don't see the point. And so I'm kind of like, hey, have your own, have at it, you know, enjoy it. However, however, if there's a chance that this is going to be co-opted by people who are not, you know, people who just have their weapon and go on weekends and go shooting, uh, then we have a problem. And if losing the rights to have an AR-15 and some of these other weapons that have been easily converted to fully automatic, if that would help that cause, which it would, all the studies show, then, then why not, you know? Keep your Beretta, your Glock, your 45, your rifles. You know, let people hunt. Hunting, I'm totally, you know, hey, but you know, have at it. But um, there just seems to be kind of common sense. And the fact that we can't even forget about banning those, the fact that we can't even agree on background checks and everything else um, and a wait period, is it's not tied into your freedom. It has nothing to do with your freedom. You can't get a driver's license without studying and passing the test. And yet you don't need, I mean, this is, I'm rehashing everything that you've heard. But all right. you asked my opinion. So we need I it. just, yeah. again, please, can we just inject common sense? Can we, can we go there? Um, the stats are that we're the most violent nation, um, third, or excuse me, Western nation in the world. And there's a reason why other countries don't have the violence that, that we have. And, um, you know, and we're just talking about the shitty side. There's a lot of great things that we still do. And there's a lot of great oh, organizations. Well, of and, course, of course. You know, and, but, but these are shootings the catastrophe. That, yeah. Yeah. These shootings that like we keep seeing, right, and these shootings that we keep seeing, it's almost like every other week or every other month there's another one. It's it's like yeah. I, I've been saying this on the program, but it's the new normal for everyone now. It's not, not a surprise anymore once you see that headline on your television screen. Yeah. I think um, I'm hoping that there's a new generation of um, of souls that have come in that are incarnating now that are the millennials and younger generation, I think they're calling them Z now, um, that, um, first of all, they have a lot more um, compassion. They're not prejudiced. They're open to gender, everything else. They know that, that none of that shit is relevant. What's relevant is treating others as you have them treat you. I think that there's a whole new generation of, of, uh, of kids coming up, souls entering here, that I have faith in. I feel like the last of the roaring of the ugly dinosaurs that are out there, that administration, that that echelon, you know, up above it, um, who are the real elite, if you get down to it, they're dying out. Um, you know, there's always going to be um, some holdouts, but they're becoming extinct. I think that, you know, I, I think we're looking for change, but it's going to come from, from the youth, as it always has with Vietnam and everything else. And so as much as I want to complain and and get pissed off, and we can definitely talk. You know, <laughs> that's fine. That. That's all right. That's 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 I, what this show's for. Got to get everything out. Yeah, I think that I think that we're on the precipice of of great change, and um, and so I'm I'm not you know um, giving up hope on humanity by I'm not either. By long shot. I'm not either. But I kind of already gave up with uh, humanity. I think most of us are already broken, and uh, no president will ever save humanity from being broken souls. That's just the way, you know, life is kind of like that. It's chaotic. And no well, one man or woman will save the country or the world as a whole, in my opinion. But I'm just one man talking here. What do I know? Well, you know as much as anyone else, and that's and that's valid. I mean, the truth of the matter is, and just to tie back to, to uh, UFOs for a second. No problem. 
Nope. I, I don't believe that, that presidents are briefed. I think maybe Reagan was briefed. If there's anything going on, I think he was uh, briefed. Um, maybe, well, definitely George Bush senior because he used to be with the, you know, CIA. Oh yeah. So, um, but, but I think, um, that, you know, from Bill Clinton or maybe, uh, Carter wasn't, uh, brief, but I think, um, the office is only held for 48 years. Not much can really be done in that time. And the fact of the matter is, you know, here you had Obama who for 140 days, I think it was, he had to, to fill a position, the Supreme court, and he didn't have the house or the Senate. And so they blocked it. So, you know, unless you have all three, like Obama had for the first two years, and he, and he passed 400 legislations, which Trump has spent his time undoing, that's his big contribution. Um, I, I, you know, unless we have everyone lined up, things are going to get done. It doesn't matter who's president. If you don't have the House or the Senate, and more importantly, you don't have um, the lobbyists uh, in your pocket, and the country isn't screaming for change, like we have right now with Parkland, and I hope that continues, and I hope that doesn't evaporate. Nothing's, you know, nothing's going to get done. Not, no shit. It, I mean, it's just, you know, nothing's going to get accomplished. So here we are watching this. And as you know, the older you get, the more you kind of go, oh, man, this world is really run for shit. It's really it's, fucked. Yeah. And you're kind of going, I had so much more faith in it when I was younger. Why is that? Well, ignorance. Yeah. You, now you that were we just, kind of yeah, you weren't cognitive, that, right? Mm -hmm. You weren't cognitive of what was going on behind the scenes. And uh, speaking of which, I must ask your opinion on this. What do yeah. you make of uh, Trump and uh, Stormy Daniels? How's what's your opinion on that? Okay, um, I have not had sexual relations with that woman. Um, you think about Bill say, Clinton on that? You, I, I should, I should have uh, queued up a sound drop from Bill right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. Okay, well, two levels. One is um, whatever you do between adults. That's fine. Yes, right. she was married, and I think she was pregnant. That's fucked up. But um, again, is it illegal? No. Is it morally wrong? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, karma. He'll pay for that karma, and uh, anyone who stands by that, I'm surprised Melania is still there. Um, but you know, when people go poor her, I go, Are you serious? Just just go flip through some pictures, Google pictures of her sitting at the table with a bowl full of. Um, diamond necklaces all strung out and she's eating it like it's a bowl of pasta she's you know she she bought into this she's there she's experiencing it anyone else in a decent relationship would say you are so gone dude and she my can't lawyer's be, gonna be contacting she you. can't be happy in my opinion she can't no, be happy. because you're basically you're you're there for the, all the wrong reasons in this relationship and this this person who i look at at trump as being a very young soul because he's running to all the things you know he eats for shit um, he's, uh, it's all about him. He's very insecure. He's like a young little kid and, and, and he can't find confidence in himself. And when you can't find it within yourself and you go looking and demanding it from other people, that's where the shit hits the fan. But getting back to Stormy Daniels, um, I'm not surprised. Um, there's so many angles to talk about it. So I'm not sure specifically if you're saying overall, I would say, yeah, overall, it'll probably, it, it could be his undoing because the way that he handled it. Um, I think we're going to discover that, and we have, that he's that this isn't the first time, and that there's now there was some news report today that he had a, uh, it looks like he might have had a child. That's with, that's um, another thing I read, but I'm not sure how credible that is. Been, I, I don't know. Yeah, it hasn't been confirmed yet, so I'm reticent to mention other than to say this is now part of, of uh, this whole tale, you know, that, that comes with this guy. So I, my feeling is, um, yeah, I'm sure he paid her. 
you know, to keep silent. And um, but, um, you know, the guy, his, his treatment of women, he's a, you know, a chauvinistic pig. Got a little bit and of a so, track record. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm afraid I, so. Again, I, I just I I don't know how we got into this um, dimension, this alternate universe. Well, we're in a parallel universe can, now. It happens. Yeah. Someone can talk about grabbing pussy and stuff like that. And we're actually OK with that. Is, yeah, we're uh, cool with it. We're good with it. I mean, uh, yeah, more allegations again with uh, Trump uh, allegedly um, enjoying the golden shower angle. He was, um, you know, <laughs> doing the whole R. Kelly thing. Yeah. Well, again, whatever, you know, allegedly, hey, whatever floats your boat. Allegedly. allegedly I don't know if that's right. true. I mean, I've, I've never yeah. really ventured too far down that path, but, you know, I, I don't think Neither I want to. I. I don't think I want to go down yeah. down that route. No, there's some things you go, oh, I'd, I'd like to try that. This isn't on that list. Um, it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you get to that point in time. I mean, I'm not innocent by no means. You know, I, I've done a lot. But peeing mm-hmm. on someone in, in a sexual way, I've never done that. But I have urinated on a homeless person <laughs> when I was drunk. So, you know, I get a pass. Oh, dude. I get a pass. Oh, I wish you didn't mention that. I'm sorry. That. I'm oh sorry. I, I had to. I mean, you know, sometimes I got to drop some terrible things here. Yeah, well, it just means uh, besides that being 50 shades of wrong, next life you're going to come back and you know what's going to happen to you. Oh, you're yeah. Gonna, you're going to get paid on. Oh, and for you're gonna sure. Be and I'm going to be, I, you know, yeah. and I deserve it. The the thing is, though, I, I yeah. didn't know there was a body there. I was really drunk and he was covered in all sorts of uh, newspapers. And it was an accidental drive-by peen. It really was. It was an accidentally uh, an ex- an accidental R. Kelly. Okay. <laughs> so I apologize, though, and and I ran out of there. By the way, I got really scared. You yeah. can't. Re- oh. Yeah, you really can't apologize after that, you know. No, no, you can't. Um. Yeah. So my take on uh on that is uh you reap what you sow, and um I think that is going to be as undoing um possibly more than you know the collusion. Yeah, it's, you know, the it's thing interesting. Is, as soon as we as soon as we get his tax returns, and that's got to be subpoenaed. As soon as we get his tax returns for that, the you know, the year before he became president, um, that's going to list everything. That's going to show what's his his true relationship with the Russians and the how money they trail. failed his ass yes. out. Yeah, the old follow the money. And um, when that happens, it's you know. But the thing is, I keep I keep scratching my head. How far can the Republican Party yield and bend to this? Um, I think Paul Ryan. Let's talk about that um, situation. Is, is it he going? Is he like, going away? Oh, I don't, he's going away because he he's being a little baby about it. Um, he doesn't want to be the minority leader, and so now he's picking up his toys and he's leaving. Um, and so that's that's a real you know chicken shit move. Um, Pretty much. But but you know what good may come of that is he's going to go, and then others are going to say, well, if he's not there. You know, who was someone that was barely looked upon as a modicum of reason. If he's gone, you know, he's no longer in the equation. You know, there's not much left. There's no, you know, uh, young, you know, quote, you know, golden boy uh, um, who are going to be there anymore. So it's kind of like they're packing up their, you know, the carpetbaggers are packing up their shit and and, and leaving. What and an so, interesting time to be alive. I, I never recalled politics being this exciting. Dude, if we can look at it as as kind of what it is, a reality show for, it, for the next years or less. It almost is. Yeah. I mean, what what is being done that can't be reversed? That's the big question for us. Um, four years of screw, continuing to screw up um, the environment and allowing, you know, companies to produce coal-type stuff and drilling and stuff. Don't know if that can be undone. 
But those are the things that we need to worry about. The other stuff, you know, trying to repeal Obamacare, well, a Democrat's going to come in, that's going to be reinstated. So Pretty much. Um, right? So, I, I, you know, I, I guess if we look at it like that, then we can just try to enjoy the ride, but be vocal. Yeah, I, I hope know, for the best. Can. I really do hope for the best. Yeah. Um, humanity always pulls out. I mean, if you look back at the 60s, you can see how messed up it was. If you look back before, you know, um, Wall Street, the original, you know, uh, Wall Street crash in 29, you can see that, you know, depression, you, can, you know, we've always, you know, we've advanced. It's just um, right now, with it, we didn't have the climate issues that we do now. So that's the only real ticking clock, I think. Yeah, and so I, believe, I, I believe uh, France and the UK launched uh, strikes on Syria. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And us. So, yeah. you know, this is not good. This is not a good situation here. If we ever needed a, a time of intervention, it, it's now by our friends from the skies. But you know how that goes. People have been predicting our friendly foes from the sky to visit us or revisit us for such a long time, mm-hmm. especially in 2012. Remember all of that noise? Yeah. People made yeah. a killing. Well, People made a killing off of 2012. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think, I mean, the, the belief is that in 19, when we dropped the bomb, we got on the radar in a big way. And that whether they're interdimensional beings or coming from somewhere in our own system that we can't see or outside, whatever, um, I think we're on their radar. And the fact that, um, like, in, um, uh, I know what I saw, um, James Fox's um, documentary, where all these kind of whistleblowers came out from everywhere, including the ones that said, you know, we used to, um, you know, we, we would look at, we had, you know, we were like the Minutemen. We had the missiles, and then we could shut down, and we would see these these ships that would come, and everything would get shut down, which is impossible because only they're all on separate tracks, on separate circuits, and some of it's analog, and some of it was digital at the time, and so it would it would have to be done individually, but all of them would go, and so they've already shown that they can shut us down. They've shown that if the shit hits a fan, they may show up. My question is, um, are they observing it, or are they kind of watching it, playing with us? And if we annihilate ourselves, you know, when people say we're going to destroy the planet, I always go, okay, that's hubris. You don't know what you're talking about. You can't destroy the planet. The planet will recycle. It always has. If we, if we set off every single nuclear weapon that we had, it would still, in time, recycle itself and come back, and there'd be a new species. So the only problem is we can destroy it for ourselves. And not only that, we destroy it for the species that are here. Correct. You know, maybe, maybe not the cockroaches, but um, we destroy it. For, for them. And so, um, and, you know, I wish that everyone on the planet could go up in space and look back at the earth, see how small it is, see how fucking gorgeous it is, and then come back and say, okay, now what were you bitching about? You know? Yeah, that would really help the, the flat earthers too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a hologram that the government has set up. Oh, that's that, true. I believe. Right. Yeah. I, so actually, you know, fresh angle. speaking of which, I think, I think there was a I had length story about the world's first luxury space hotel. Um, they're taking reservations. Uh, yeah, in 2024. Right? Oh, you saw that? I did. Yeah. I thought it was 2021. Um, no, I, uh, the one I heard was 2024. But that makes more sense, um, though. Maybe it is 2021. Yeah. yeah. Um, Interesting, though. That well, I mean, if you have a couple million dollars lying around, I guess it's a good idea. Nine point five yeah, million per could... person. Holy shit! Right. Yeah, you could go up. Experience something, you know, wild for for a week, or you could take that nine million and you know feed a village 
for a lifetime or teach people how to fish. Oh, you were, you were right. It is, it is <laughs> launching in, in 2021 and the first guest, uh, in 2022. Oh, 2022. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, we're so myopic and in, in our belief and everything. And, um, I don't know, man, we're all, we're all one, you know, you sound um, like me now. I I'm always not. say that we are all one. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it, uh, I don't, it's Buddha. It's Jesus. Everyone. They all said the same thing. You know, um, if you help someone, you're helping yourself. And I um, agree. And you know, um, of course, my weakness is that you know you still have someone who's on the road who's going to cut you off, and that's going to be frustrating. But you know, when you've risen above that, that's when you've become a young Padawan. That's when you've achieved your your Jedi status. When you can have that happen and not get pissed off. Correct. That's a wise way of looking at it, and. Uh, we are coming to a close here, and before I do let you go, however, I, I did want to get your opinion on a number of uh, UFO cases out there, um, a few of the classic UFO cases. I'm sure you've got your favorites, and I was wondering... I do. Yeah, I was wondering, um, which one do you find more credible uh, than others out there? And of course, as soon as I said that, the film um, from the 90s came out in my head, the, of the uh, mm. Roswell incident uh-huh. with uh, Jeremy Kagan directed that who who was that director again Don Schmidt. Kevin Rand yeah Kevin Rando and Don Schmidt that movie came yeah they were the ufologist yeah. researchers but yeah mm-hmm. good good guys actually I do like them both Don Schmidt is great I hung out with him at um at uh congress UFO congress he's great I I definitely want to do something with him he's a he's a really really good guy I've yeah. not met Kevin Randall um yeah that was fun um but as far as cases, yeah, the go past, I go right to right to Zimbabwe. Oh um, my God! Yes, sixty-two uh, school children, I believe. That's the case I was going to mention to you that I believe is the most legit. Yeah. So I'm kind of astonished that you brought that up. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah, that to me is if you could could try this in court, um, and, and you know, with it with a, um, a prosecutor bringing a, a you know skeptic, a, a prosecutor, and everything. Um, the jury would be unanimous, and they wouldn't have to deliberate. They would be in and out. I mean, 62 kids, all races, all religions, um, different, you know, from 5 to, I think, 12, all saw this. Um, it, it, it's irrefutable. All of them described the same thing. At a crime scene, you know, you know, there'll be variations and stuff. Oh, yeah. None. All were the same. 20 years later, 25 years later, they're still still telling it. Um, 24 years later, still telling it, and the people are insanely credible. And the thing that's interesting is they were imparted with stuff that was take care of your planet, do something good to it. And one of the, one of the uh, the women who are, are speaking now um, out, she's she's been doing the circuit. Um, she is working for a nonprofit now, so it's starting to kind of have its effect. Um, that is an incredible case. It really um, is. There's it also totally is. And by the way, before we finish up on that, uh, for those who don't yeah. know, that's a classic case uh, investigated by uh, Dr. John Mack. Very legit, by the way. Yes, he was always someone I yes. thought was uh, right on the money. But yeah, this uh, these uh, school children they saw a UFO land. Uh, they had a close encounter with three feet uh, creatures. It's extremely bizarre. And I always said this on the show. Uh, children in groups don't really tell lies. It's not. No. It's, it's not a case of a, a child's or the children's influence by another child or an influence of, of a parent. They didn't rehearse, in other words. So, in my no. opinion, this is totally legit. And you know, I've been waiting a long time for someone to remake a movie of this. Uh, this this case here. 
Dude, it's on my list. You got to You got to do it. You got to do it. John John Ham to play um, John Mack. I think that would be a good choice. Um, yeah. Good good choice. Good casting. Um, it's it's a better case than Roswell. It's a better case. Oh, Dean, it, it is sixty-two you, witnesses, you, right? You cut off there, Dean, for a second. Oh, I said I, I think it's I think it's in a, a case better than Roswell. You've got sixty-two people who witnessed this this thing up front within two feet, yeah. two to three feet. They were standing from them. Um, it's yeah, it's it's uh, that to me is kind of end of story. And the fact that that all these pilots and it's it's already been proven we are being visited. End of story. It's now why why are they visiting? What do they want? And what are we to do to um, incorporate that? I mean, it's funny. Um, uh, uh, who was it? It was Nick Pope who said he didn't believe that disclosure was going to come with a capital D, was going to come with a, a lowercase d. I think that disclosure is not going to happen to the government. I think it's going to come from the aliens, the extraterrestrials, the interdimensional beings, the future travelers, whatever time travelers. I think that they're slowly reaching out. I think everyone will have their own to a degree, personal experience. I think that's a disclosure. Government fucks up everything. Why leave it up to them to come out and say, oh, yeah, we've been hiding this shit from you? Yeah, you can't really um, trust them, to be honest. No, because anything that's new, I mean, just think about it. If, if you were at these other nations, you'd say, all right, well, I want a piece of that technology. Why do you, why do you get a hoard it, America? So, um, you know, and that's a whole other aspect is the technology ramifications. I'm more interested in the spiritual um implications of a, of a being transcending themselves, being able to survive through God knows what to evolve to be, you know, to have this technology. But the spiritual, what their spirituality is, that's what I want to know. I want to know where they come from. And by all accounts, through John Mack, they're very spiritual and they believe in, you know, we're all part of the same thing. Like you said, we're all one. Very true. And one more here. I did want to get your opinion on, on cattle mutilation. This actually first began uh, from my research here, late in the 1960s. And, of course, those numbers increased over the years. Uh, very popular in the early 90s. I believe that's when it was really in its heyday. Um, what do you make of that? Do you think that was a legit thing from visitors from somewhere else? Or do you think that was done by a cult? Uh, lots of times that's that was the explanation by certain newspapers, actually. This is an area that... Um... I feel very confident talking about, um, you know, what I can research on on other aspects of ufology, if you will. Um, but this is a thing I can't get my brain around because the government could have lasers that they're doing this stuff and they're just target practice. That could be going on, you know, see if they can take organs. I don't know that it has to be attributed to aliens. I know that some people claim that they heard loud buzzings. Well, that could be the laser. Um, True. But, you know, it's like crop, it's like crop circles. It's, there's too many people that, especially the first ones that came out that said, yeah, we were faking that shit and here's how we did it. So it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not as tangible. No one has yet to see a cow hit, dissect in front of them and drop dead. That's that true. hasn't happened. No one has yet to see a crop circle in front of them take form with a UFO. But people have seen UFOs come, land, interact with aliens. So I think that the jury is still out on, on those two things. Very nice. So, Dean, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. Always nice to get you on here. And, of course, we'll have to do a part two of this. I feel like we just uh, scratched the surface here. Yeah, this here. was fun. Yeah, we, we got to do this again. It seems like you know a lot about all sorts of different subjects, which is good. We kept the conversation moving here from one thing to another. I definitely would like to bring you back on here. 
Well, I'd like to come back on and, uh, and uh, next time we'll figure out um, the type of beer that we'll be having because that's also equally important we can talk about. Very nice. Yes. Of and of course, uh, <laughs> and of course, if you, and of course, if you ever want to, uh, you know, ask for, for a voiceover, I wouldn't mind doing that for you. It's so funny, dude. I was listening to your voice in the introduction and I thought, well, Michael sounds like a calm uh, Michael Keaton. I don't know if you've ever gotten that before. Uh, really? But you, the way that you enunciate and everything, uh, yeah, you've got a really good voice. I could, I could, uh, that's, I mean, maybe that's your, your other calling. We got to gotta, doing we gotta make it happen. work for Michael Keaton. You know, I yeah, got it. Yeah. If you could help me do that, I mean, I would love to. I mean, I'm not getting any younger here. I might just kill myself. Yeah. Well, let's do a suicide pact together, dude. If, Perfect. if we get another four years of where we're heading. So. <laughs> let's, oh, yes. So, Dean, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Uh, go ahead and plug anything my you'd pleasure. like, my friend. Go ahead. Um, all right. You can get my movie at ufoabduction.com, the original. Um, it comes with a behind the scenes, um, uh, as well as a segment from, uh, encounters. Um, you can also go to aliencontent.com and that'll lead you to my Patreon account. And if you want to subscribe, you're going to be witnessing some real fun shit getting made. Um, and, um, and I'll be posting stuff on, on that as well. But, um, yeah. And then hopefully come out and see me at, uh, AlienCon, um, mid June. Very nice. Once again, Dean, thanks for being here and. Godspeed, my friend. Right back at you. Thank you, brother. Take Take care. care. Bye-bye. And there goes Dean. Great guy. Fun interview there, right, folks? I hope you enjoyed that one. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. They like, can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should have worked this before 